I've always had that as this natural outlet for my leadership, which is I'm going to gather people and then I'm going to create opportunities for them to, when they meet each other, they can go further than they would have if it would have just been me and them, you know? So I think that's the true power of a connector. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about something that maybe we don't talk too much about in ministry circles, but Alan, you've showed me um, just how important this is, and it's the idea of networking. You might not say it yourself and kind of pat your own back, but you are a master networker. You bring people together. You make connections um, if you spend any time with Alan, those of you who are listening in Colorado Springs, you'll realize that he knows half the city. And Alan being relational, being a seven on the Enneagram, uh, has this knack, this gift that he's honed um, in networking, connecting people, sometimes in unlikely places together. And specifically, you do it for the sake of the kingdom. And so you've connected me with other church planners, other pastors, um, just people that you think that I need to know. And it's been really fruitful in my life. And so I'm thankful for the way that you've modeled it. When did you realize that networking was a gift for you? It's just kind of always been in me. As long as I can remember, I, w I would think I need to introduce this person to the next person. Because I think it comes back to my heart for team. I truly believe that one plus one can equal 2,000 or 2 million when the right people come together to watch these kingdom explosions happen. And honestly, I love it. I just think, okay, David, who do you need to know in order to get to your next place or your next season, your next opportunity? Uh, so I think it's always been in me. Somebody once said to me, man, I always come to you, Alan, for the right connection. And that was maybe the first time somebody had vocalized that, which is super helpful. I didn't see that in myself. I thought everybody did that. And then I realized I better hone this skill. So I think I started to hone it. The raw materials were there. And then I started to hone it um, and really say, how do I get better and more intentional at this? And I just think it's, I think it's underutilized. It's interesting. You say networking and connecting. Um, networking sounds really schmoozy and there's networking groups and it feels like you're kind of flashing business cards. You're going in to get something. But to me, connecting feels like I want to get the right people together and then get out of the way. It feels altruistic to me. It feels like raising up other people. I don't get to see the results many times or hear what the fruit is of that. So I absolutely love that. And in your case, David, it was really fun to introduce you to the right people that could take you to the right next conversation or opportunity. And maybe the last thing there is other people have introduced me to the person that has unlocked the next opportunity for me. And so I feel like paying it forward, it just makes sense to not have a scarcity mentality that they're going to take this thing uh, or they're going to steal this idea, but actually they're going to take this to the next level that I couldn't. So um, it, it was really cool, honestly, for me chatting with Brad Lominick. Uh, we do talk about connecting in this episode and Brad's just a master connector. He's connected so many different leaders together um, and obviously has, has worked with John Maxwell over the years and seen Catalyst develop and has done some incredible things. But really what I most admire Brad for, I think, are the connections um, that he brings people together. And so we talk about that in today's episode. We talk about uh, his book, H3, and, and he discusses kind of what's behind that. And I just really love digging into this episode with Brad Lominick. And so uh, as always, we want you to follow along with this, track along with this, share this if it's helpful to you, but we think it really is going to be. And as always, follow us on social media. If you can go to Facebook and hit the like button, go over to Instagram. We're always announcing some new initiatives and we have some new ones coming up. So we encourage you to do that. But without further ado, here is my interview with Brad Lominick. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We have Brad Lominick on the podcast with us today. Brad, thanks for joining us. Hey, Alan. Great to be with you, man. So uh, you do a lot of different things, Brad. So uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of your leadership path. Where have you been and how have you gotten to where you are right now? Yeah, well, it's it's one of those 
pass that doesn't make any sense each time you'd made a turn. So, uh, you know, I, I think the general overview of my last 20 years of leading has been being faithful to where I was placed and then seeing opportunities arise out of that. You know, there, there's probably a leadership uh, overall, I would say, tagline to my story in terms of leading early on in life and sort of stepping into roles of leadership and feeling like that was going to be an outlet. I thought it was going to be politics for, you know, a few years, especially in high school and even in college, but uh, that didn't pan out and that's okay. You know, I, 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 uh, I got connected to John Maxwell back 20 years ago. And really at the end of the day, like John, as many people have read his books or know of John Maxwell and, and all the stuff he's done in the leadership space, that, that really gave me an opportunity, a platform, an organization that, that was really about leadership development. And of course, Catalyst came out of that and it was birthed. You know, there was a bunch of us who were working for John Maxwell and connected to John that were in our 20s. And we decided to create something that would be for our generation. And that's really how Catalyst was born back in the day. And so most people would know me or that would that would be connected into our world would be aware of Catalyst. And that's really where I got the chance to, I would say, you know, live out my leadership principles in, in terms of leading that movement, as well as now five years removed from leading it, uh, being a voice or somebody in the, in the general space that's out there trying to help other organizations to be better leaders. Wow. I didn't realize that Catalyst came out of kind of the Maxwell leadership movement, but it makes, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so when you're sitting down in the barber chair and the guy says that dreaded question, so what do you do? How do you answer that question? Yeah. I, w- I mean, if somebody asked me that very, uh, very pointedly, I would say I spend most of my time these days as a strategic advisor to leaders and organizations they lead. So that typically creates more questions, though, than actually than actually gives an answer. So if somebody says, well, OK, what do you really do? I'll say, well, I, I mean, I'm trying to influence the influencers. My, my job or my sense of calling is to is to gather, connect, equip, inspire, encourage. I mean, all the verbs, but really like to be a uh, to be connected to leaders who are leading leaders. And so that's that's the why for me. And, you know, there's an underlying why as well, which is to build the kingdom to you know, increase the impact uh, of of leaders who are following Jesus. I mean, there's there's the underlying story there of sort of being a believer and a follower of Jesus, and then living that out in what I do. But at the end of the day, really, what I'm, I mean, the the why for me is I want to impact those who impact others, and I, you know, I've always been really focused on trying to build connections and platforms and conferences and events and gatherings that will allow for me to create something that then other people can stand on. So if, if, you know, if I look back on the first 20 years or so of career life, that's what I want to see evidence of is, did I build platforms that other leaders could stand on? Did I, did I actually create something that somebody else could, you know, sort of stand on my shoulders and then, and then cast their net or their line or their impact further than they could have if they were working on their own. So that's, that's the, it's a long conversation on an airplane. You know, when somebody says, all right, tell me what you do. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how, how long you got? Cause it's not the normal. Is this answer. a five hour flight? It, it yeah. better be. Yeah. We better be going from like Miami to Seattle. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, maybe we'll get stuck next to each other on a flight at, at some point. <laughs> right. Um, Brad, we share this, this common love for connecting and convening leaders that's something that you do so well. Why have you given so much of your time to convening influencers? Well, it's my it's I think it's my my purpose statement. I mean, I really do feel like God wired me to be a convener. And you know, when you start looking at the way that you're wired, any of us, there's something unique or distinct or specific to each of us that we look around and go, "Wait, don't doesn't everybody else do this?" And so that's for me, I mean, my superpower, you might say, is that I want to be 
I want to be a gatherer and a convener that um, brings people together that then allows for that environment, that conversation, that conference, that gathering, that dinner to to actually create more opportunities out of it than what went into it, you know? And so I just think that's where my influence is best going to be used and utilized. So that, that's not, that's not true for everyone, but it is true for me. And, you know, I've always been that way. I remember like kindergarten and first grade, there, there was always a natural affinity for me to know everybody in the class and then to start like creating trade deals and in, in, in kindergarten, in the cafeteria you know, between class members. And I've just always been, I've always had that as this natural outlet for my leadership, which is I'm going to gather people and then I'm going to create opportunities for them to, when they meet each other, they can go further than they would have if it would have just been me and them, you know? So I think that's the true power of a connector and a, and a convener, you know, the, 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 the um the difference between somebody who's a good connector compared to a networker, right? Like we we think of networker and everybody right now is thinking, okay, I have somebody in mind who's a networker. And networker typically it's all about them. Like they're they're introducing themselves to you or they're introducing you to someone else, thinking the whole time, I'm gonna get something out of this. Where connectors mm. or conveners, the true connectors and conveners are the ones who they introduce people to each other. And then the, you know, the best things that happen are now between those two people. And it's not about me, you know, and even with Catalyst, like building and growing and leading that movement for a bunch of years, that the true definition of a Catalyst is to be a change agent that leaves no residue of itself. So that's what I want to be. I want to, you know, I want it to be about others. I I want, I, I love it when people when they talk to each other and they go, well, how did, you know, how did we meet way back when? Oh, I think Lominick introduced us and look what we've been able to do now. And, you know, that I love those kind of stories. I don't, I don't need to be the center of that. I just need to connect people and then get out of the way. Uh, so good. We need that a lot. What, what do you say to leaders, Brad, that say it's lonely at the top? How do you respond to that? Well, the answer is that's a true statement. I mean it is lonely at the top. Like that's the, that's the, the, the beauty and the curse of leadership is that the higher you go up, you know, the, the one, one, the, the lonelier it is, but also two the, the less oxygen there is, you know, you're, you're, you're in rarefied air, the higher you are in the organization, or especially if you're the point leader, if you're the CEO or the president or the senior pastor or executive director, you know, that all of a sudden everybody looks at you because you're supposed to have the answer and ever now you're paying everybody's paycheck. So no longer can you be buddies in the true sense with all the people you work with, it, with, you know, with sort of no strings attached. I mean, all of a sudden, this is why so many, I think leaders, Alan, they, they, they fail with, in regards to the way they, they interact with their team once they're in charge is because they want it to be like it used to be. And the reality is it just can't be, you know, when, now it doesn't mean you can't be friends with people you work that work for you or that are on your team. That's not what I'm saying, but there is a true reality that once you are the point leader, the, the, the environment and context changes. And so this is why, you know, this is true. Like this is why it's so important for leaders to have people outside of their organization that they're now interacting with and that are coaching them or that are, that are, that they're in a cohort with, or they're walking beside them that, you know, they're bored or these mentors that come alongside and help you because you have to have people who are in your world and close enough in your world that can speak into your world, but don't get any benefit from your world. You know, and that, that's the hard part is, mm. People who work for you, they they have a hard time telling you what you really need to hear because you pay their paycheck. And so we've got to be really intentional as leaders. The, the, the further we go up the ladder, the more intentional we have to be of actually finding people who can can be in our lives that that aren't sort of, you know, paid to be in our lives. And 
This is true for spouses. It's true even for your board in some ways, or your, you know, your, your shareholders or however you're set up, you know, that those, those people are obviously needed, but you've got to have people in your world that can, can be involved. But yet again, like I said, they, they don't get anything from you. They're, they don't have anything uh, at stake. You know, they're, they're not going to tell you something because they're, they're sort of thinking, well, what am I going to get out of this? So important. And even more important that you're catalyzing, connecting, convening those leaders because it can be lonely at the top. We talk about the difference between loneliness and isolation, that loneliness is a feeling that is very normal uh, for any leader and really any human. But isolation is acting off that choice and saying, nobody will get me, nobody will understand. And I just appreciate you convening, connecting so many leaders. We say these big three that you need caffeine, coaching, or conversations, just fire pit conversations, people you can have coffee with or a coach that's lean, leaning in and um, maybe convening other leaders for you is is sort of speaking into that loneliness piece. Brad, I, I love where you're going on that. So in addition to everything that you do, um, write, speak, uh, coach, consult, um, your books, uh, you've written two books, but I want you to talk a little bit about H3. So Humble, Hungry, and Hustle is a book that I continue to hear leaders kind of online and in conversations talk about. So just kind of sum up the message of H3. Yeah, well, it's, it is uh, my leadership mantra. If, if somebody said, how do you want, what, what kind of framework do you have for your own leadership? I would say it's be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. You know, be, be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. And that's what I've been saying with that, you know, whether, whether I had it like that precise or succinct, but that's really been sort of my framework for leadership for all of my career life. And, you know, the, the premise there is that um, you have to do all three. Um, you, you can't be one of the three only because that's, that's an incomplete leader, or you can't even be two of the three. And we, we know, you know, again, think of, of people you've worked for or that might be, you might be working alongside. And we, we know the humble leader who, who, who is, very aware that, you know, they're not the center of the story, but you have a hard time getting them to do anything. And then you also can go the other side and, you know, the hustle, the leader who's willing to hustle and work hard and get it done and do whatever it takes, but they have no humility. So everything's about them. They're the center of the story. There's an arrogance to them. You know, they, they just want to get theirs. It's, it's, if, if they don't win, you don't win. And so this is why, this this balance of all three of these, if you think of these three H's as as the legs on a stool, they have to be they have to be the same length in order for the stool to be balanced and for you to be able to sit in it. So, you know, humble is very much, I would say, more the internal of who you are and it's self awareness. It's you know your your faith life. It's it's character. It's sort of all the things that are built in deep inside of you that create your foundation. And then hungry is that posture that. I never arrive. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a proper sense of ambition. I'm gonna always be curious. I'm always, I'm always have this posture that everywhere I go, people are a classroom. And then hustle is the premise that again, you know, it's sort of the outlet of expression of your leadership. And it's it is I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But it's also, are you a hustler when it as it relates to margin? Are you a hustler as it relates to generosity? Are you a hustler as it relates to being a collaborator? So equal amounts of rest and Sabbath and margin and health when it comes to hustle as there is, I'm willing to burn the midnight oil. Because we've, again, we've all seen people who are, they hustle, they redline it for a few years and they burn out. And that that's not what we're talking about when it comes to hustle. It is, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but I don't, I don't create a lifestyle that is just that I'm, you know, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just one sort of bad conversation away from going ballistic and burning out and, and completely, you know, sort of uh, disqualifying myself from leadership. So that's the, that's the general overview. There's 20 habits in the book uh, that I tried to, to um, give practical, a practical runway for people to see these habits in light of these three buckets. And at the end of the day, like the book was written for me out of the season when I was stepping away from Catalyst and, and I was, you know, if I was honest, I was not necessarily a healthy leader. And so this was kind of my reframing and saying, all right, for the next 30 years, if I'm going to have a playbook 
for what it looks like to lead well, this is going to be my playbook. Mm, that's good. I don't know a leader that doesn't need that message and all three of those H's right now. Like you say, the stool, was that in 2015, Brad, you came out with that? Uh, yes. 20. Yeah. 20. It's been long enough now. I can't remember, but yes, I think it's 2015. So interesting. I mean, when you're talking about hustle, I think that word hustle has even been co-opted in the last two years, the hustle culture and Gary V and just kind of like people saying, Oh man, like if that's what hustle looks like, I'm out. Because I think that there's so much, I call overwhelm, pre-burnout, there's burnout everywhere. And so even as you're writing those words, that language is is dynamic and changes. And so I've even seen that resistance toward hustle because I think we've seen way too many leaders kind of right in front of our eyes, uh, get crispy, do the kind of the slow fade or hit the wall uh, publicly. So I'm excited. I have not picked up that book, but I'm excited to pick it up. And if you're listening to this, uh, especially for a young leader, um, those three words come up all the time in coaching and, and in conversation. So Brad, excited to pick that up. Uh, I want to talk about trends today. You see a lot of trends out there. You connect with a lot of kingdom leaders. And so I just wanted to see kind of the maybe some of the good and bad that you're seeing. Uh, what are some trends that you see today within kingdom leaders that give you great hope? Well, there's definitely a trend that um, younger leaders especially have a, they have a mindset that is, I don't need to wait or I don't want to wait to have influence and impact, you know, and for, for some of us who are a little older, we, we had to wait till halftime or at some point, you know, it was like stick around for 10 or 15 years, do your time, and then you'll have the opportunity. And I I love the idea that, you know, the next generation is, is looking at things going, I know I'm 22 or 23 or 24, but I feel like I'm ready now, whether they are or not, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but um, part of our posture with with a younger leader, if we're older, is that we have to give them more opportunities early, earlier than we were given, and that is hard for a lot of us. Um, and and what's happening is you're seeing a lot of young leaders who they w- they won't stick around if the if the culture says you're just going to have to buy your time. They, their tendency is to start to look around at other options because they have other options. Now, I want to both lean into the idea that options are good, but also faithfulness is good. You know, so I'm, I'm not choosing one or the other because there are some young leaders who uh, you look at and, and you just have to say, listen, I need you to crush your current assignment. I know you're, I know you're like the, the assistant to the assistant, to the assistant, to the assistant, but, but be faithful in, in where you are, where you're planted at the same time. I have to be aware of the trend again, that, that more and more, the younger you are, the more options you have. And there's a lot of your team, whoever is listening right now, whether you're a pastor, you're a CEO, you're a, you know, you're a coach. Um, there's a lot of people on your staff. You're, if you're a principal, they're looking around at other options, opportunities like jobs. And so the the trend I'm seeing and I want to live out is that um, I know that's true. So therefore, I'm going to coach you. And I'm going to put my arm around you and help you navigate those options compared to, again, for many of us who are older, we never told our boss we were looking around because we knew if we did, we'd get fired. So I think nowadays mm-hmm. it's, I, if I'm your boss, I want to be the first one to know that you're looking around and I want to help you actually think about and navigate that life choice. That's a whole different posture. You, you know, when when I had people on our team at Catalyst, you know, if and I knew they were trying to get picked off by other organizations because they were really talented. And I would just tell them constantly, hey, listen, if somebody else is talking to you about wanting to join their team, let me help you think about that decision. Because reality is, is this probably won't be your only job. And I want it to be your best job you ever have. But I, I if I'm if I'm a good leader who is for you, I'm going to realize that that my job is to help you navigate those things, not to create a culture where, you know, everybody's sort of walking around on eggshells and, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and, and says, Brad, I'm leaving. And I go, what? You're kidding. Like, I thought you were really loving your role and you felt like you were part of the team. And, you know, so that's a big one, Alan. And, and that's, that's a massive shift for a lot of people in organizational life um, to, to deal with this new sense of free agency. 
because this is the gig economy. Mm -hmm. It's the project generation, you know, the free agent market in sports. I mean, we're watching this happen in college athletics overnight. It feels like with the transfer portal and, you know, I'm an Oklahoma Sooner fan. I went to school there at University of Oklahoma. You know, we've, we've got a quarterback right now. If you're a college football fan, we've got a quarterback who transferred from Alabama. And he's he's got one year, you know, the transfer portal. And we love it as the Sooner, but it's also it's – a, it's a real hard thing for a lot of college coaches to now say, how do I keep talent here on our campus when they look around and go – now there's other opportunities for them. If they don't get a chance to play immediately, they're going to start to to look around at the other schools and other potential places for them to 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 live out their talents. And so we can gripe about it, but it, this is just a new reality. It's been a really great season here at Stay Forth. You might have heard that we launched the Right Side Up Journal. Now, this is a journal that will help you track along with our coaching tools and make those essentially portable where you can take them with you to the coffee shop. You don't have to open your phone or your laptop to get into your tools and plan your week. And it makes it really affordable. This is a $20 journal. That's right, only 20 bucks. It's a quarterly journal. So if you buy four of these, you are good for the whole year. You can plan out your week. You can plan out your days and the priorities, things you need to get done, everything from pages to sketch to podcasts to listen to, to things that you're learning, notes from the last talk or sermon. We're so excited and we have spent about 10 months packaging this together as a team and it has gone live right now. So you can pre-reserve your Right Side Up journal and that's not all. In this season, we are also hosting the Right Side Up Awards. Now, we want to change the Christian leadership conversation from just looking at things that are big and impressive to looking at things that actually cultivate health, things that can actually go the distance. And so in order to do that, we want to raise up new heroes. That's right. We want to celebrate people who are cultivating health around them. Maybe they're leaders. Maybe they lead teams. Maybe they lead churches or organizations or businesses. Doesn't matter. Any individual or team that is cultivating health around them, however big or small, you can nominate for the Right Side Up Awards. During the whole month of November, we're taking these nominations. And so you go to stayforth.com backslash awards. You can see the five different categories we're looking for in leaders. And then we will be giving out those five Right Side Up Awards. We'll be announcing those December 5th right here on the podcast and on social media. We are really excited because there are so many leaders that are cultivating health around them, but you just won't hear of them. So yes, we've got a great gift package we'll give them. Yes, there'll be an award that'll come with this that they can hang on their wall. But more than that, we want to say we see you and what you do matters. So don't miss your chance here in November. Go to stayforth.com backslash awards to nominate a leader, a team, an organization, or a church who is cultivating health before impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. What are some troubling trends that you see among kingdom leaders today? Well, I mean, yeah, the 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 idea that we are we are living in the comparison trap age meaning that because of social media which i love i'm a big fan that now we 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 start to you know to see all the other people in our life that feel like they're getting ahead or feel like they're doing it better than we are or feels like feels like their you know their organization is growing faster um, that's a that's a real that's a real disturbing trend, especially if it starts to then push us to be copy and paste leaders, or to or to start to try to you know pursue or plug and play what they're doing into our context. And this is this is why we gotta you know we we gotta celebrate each other where we are in the journey, and that the tendency is always to to look at those who are bigger and and start to, you know, show up and sort of just take what they've done and then bring it back into our context compared to, no, go learn from those people. Like go, go learn as much as you can, but you, it's gotta be, it's gotta work for you. And this is hard for me. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, as you, as you probably are the same way, Alan, like, 
we get to be around some people that are really sharp and that incredible. Yeah. The, the hardest thing for me sometimes is that when I'm around, you know, Bob Goff or I'm around Louis Giglio or I'm around Andy Stanley or I'm around Francis Chan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not name dropping. These are just people that I get to, to see at events or we used to bring in for catalyst events. The greatest temptation for me always was to now like try to copy and paste Bob Goff into Brad Lominick. And, and and again, I want to learn from them. I want to soak up their wisdom, but I can't, you know, God has designed me to be the best version of me. And so this is, it is authenticity. It's about, you know, understanding the season you're in and and owning that. But uh, because we have so many ways to now keep up with so many different people, um, we we can't let that be this this loud megaphone that is continually shouting at us saying, you're not good enough. Why don't you have something significant like this other person does? Why don't you have a life like this? You know, you're really boring. I mean, whatever those lies are that we start to believe many of us. So that's, that's a, that's one that I think is, is, is painful, but it's also really easy for us to fall into that trap. Um, Another one would be that, you know, there's a tendency for, especially for young leaders to, to feel like if they haven't changed the world in their twenties, then they failed. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier, like we're watching our friends in our twenties get more opportunities than ever. So if I'm 29 and now I'm, you know, I haven't changed the world or started the next Facebook or built that church plant or started the next nonprofit that everybody's like, you know, wanting to put you on the cover of fast company or whatever, then, then I might as well just quit. I might as well just go home. I might as well just get, you know, move back to the parents' basement compared to, no, no, no. Like the season of your twenties is for you to, you know, start to build foundation. And if you do change the world in your twenties, awesome. But this is a this is a really big deal. This is why depression and anxiety, you know, the frustration of I haven't changed the world, it's forcing us at younger and younger ages to look around and go, well, I'm I'm just going to give up, uh, I, and that's that's a massive massive issue for culture right now. Is I've, I haven't you know spent the last decade get, getting to the top of the mountain, so I might as well just stop climbing. No, you like just go to camp one, right? I'm going up Everest. I want to get to base camp and then just maybe go up to camp one in my twenties. So that that's a that's a really big deal. And you and I both know like there's lots of young leaders in their twenties. We've got to we've got to encourage them to to get out of that mindset because it's rampant right now. It's everywhere. And you can see everybody's followers right in front of your face. You can see yep either impact or perceived impact everywhere. Uh, and you're right. My life is not blank enough, uh, is everywhere. And just even that idea of 30 is the new 50 and the idea of, mm-hmm. I mean, how crazy to think, oh, if I haven't made it by 30, I'm old. Now you're just getting started. Uh, if you're listening right. to this, maybe you need to replay that to just remind yourself uh, that just taking your next right step, just being faithful. I love that focus, Brad. We need that. We need more of that faithfulness, um, that longevity, that long obedience in the same direction. Uh, if you could look a little bit in the future, maybe prophetically, the church in North America, what things do you hope we see more of, Brad, in the next 10 years? Well, definitely there's 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 a great move and I think it's a generational thing. I think it's also for this season. Um, there's a move towards team-based environments. You know, the, the bigger the organization, whether it's a church or a nonprofit, the the more the mindset is, hey, let's carry this together. And I think that's healthy. I think there's, you know, and we still we still need to have point leaders. We still need to have clarity on on who actually is, you know, who is who is in charge. You know, I mean that we don't want to create the wild wild west, but the mindset of we've watched leaders who carried so much weight of a, of a church on their shoulders that it wasn't possible for them to carry all that themselves. And, you know, at some point they, they collapse, you know, they, they, they just, 
fell under that weight, whether it was a moral failure or it was my staff doesn't even like me or I'm, you know, I'm making decisions that are, that are, that are not in line with who I am, whatever it is. Like, I think that's a trend I'm seeing that I like going forward is more team-based. There's also a merger and acquisition um, trend right now that I think is really healthy. Meaning this, you know, think of the church in your community, wherever you live, the church who's been there for, for, you know, many years, and they've got a piece of property that sort of might be in the square of the center of the city. Uh, they, they've, you know, they, they don't have a lot of vision or, or momentum right now, but they've got this great piece of property. That's a huge asset. And all of a sudden now you've got this other church that has massive amounts of vision and energy and momentum, but yet they don't have any property. What's wrong with those two churches actually working together? And we're seeing more and more of that where the the property is there and what used to be sort of, hey, I will never work with you. You know, even though we're on the same team, we'll never actually figure out a way to partner. I think a lot of those barriers are falling. And so we're seeing way more mergers, acquisitions, joint ventures. Hey, we've got, you know, we've got a campus here. We want to have a campus where you are. What if we just combine forces? I, I love that. I mean, and that's that's just a, a more collaborative spirit again among the younger generation in general. Like they they see collaboration as as not this exception. It's just normal. It's just the way we do things. So those would be two that I'm pretty hopeful for. Oh, that's good. I think younger leaders are pushing us toward that. Of I haven't known any thing else other than the abundance mentality and the scarcity mentality is certainly a dinosaur of the past saying that that's not, that's not us. I love the overlap to collective genius of, like you say, a church that's been there a long time, has some assets, maybe doesn't even have any debt, has a building. You have people faithfully serving the city, but are young. And what could happen when the two come together? I love watching those stories. I've gotten to know Tim Lucas yeah. and he's coming on the podcast. Love what God's doing through Liquid Church out in New Jersey. And um, they've seen several of those mergers and, and acquisitions. Uh, you've interviewed some think, really fascinating. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think another one, just you know, to to um, to give people sort of a, a, a vision of where things are headed. This idea that um, you know the the church of the now and of the future is is one that you can't define it. Like you can't say, Oh, that's conservative or that's charismatic or mm. that's reformed or that's Baptist or that's Lutheran or, you know, like the churches that I think are having the most influence, they, they bring all of God. Like they bring all of theology. They bring this picture of the expressive and exegetical. They, you know, you, you walk in and go, man, these people are, are loud and they sing and they raise their hands and they're expressive and they're vocal but they're also Bible based, you know, they, they love the scriptures. They're, they're deeply discipling people They're So all of those, what used to be sort of these, you're one or the other. Now, I think you're the, the place where you're seeing the most influence is where that intersection occurs. And I think that's going to be more and more true that because the average person in culture, they don't want to choose. They don't, they don't, they, they don't have context as much anymore of, Oh, well, I, I grew up this way, so therefore I want my church that I'm part of to be this way. They're just saying, "Give me all of God. I, I want all of it. I want the, you know, the I want the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want uh, the discipleship equally as much as I want the the expressive music, singing loud, and verbal response." So that's that's another thing that I love seeing is, and if you're out on the fringes, if you're one or the other today, you're going to have a harder and harder time actually connecting with people. Well said. I mean, the church of the intersect right there at the middle um, and almost disorienting. When you walk into some churches, they don't quite fit in that box. I know what you're talking about. I've been in that space where it's really hard to define and then maybe the best sense is disorienting. Yep. Good way to say that. So Brad, you've you've interviewed some pretty fascinating people, uh, maybe on catalyst stages, had conversations with a whole bunch of them. Take us back to maybe one of your favorite interviews you've ever done. Why did you love it? And who was it with? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I'll probably, there'll probably be people that um, you wouldn't expect. Um, 
I think for me, Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great, and you know, arguably the one of the most influential voices on leadership and management in the last fifty years, is you know the thing that Jim that impressed me about him was his curiosity. So it was hmm. it was hard for me to actually ask him anything because he kept wanting to ask me stuff. And if you listen to any interviews that Jim Collins does, I mean, he's Tim Ferriss just interviewed him recently on his podcast. So good. Yeah. Uh, so good. Another guy um, named Shane, I think it's Shane Parrish for the Knowledge Project out of Canada. Um, he interviewed Jim Collins. Same thing. Like Jim kept wanting to ask Shane questions. He, when he, when, when Jim did Tim Ferriss's podcast, I mean, the first thing he was like, all right, I actually have some questions for you, Tim. And that, that's just who Jim is. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's not putting on a show. And, and it, what it, what it always sort of reminded me every time I listened to anything with him is curiosity. Actually, if you ask lots of leaders who they've been impacted by the most or the way they impact people the most, it's many times built on their curiosity. And I always, I love that when you see mm -hmm. somebody at the top of the food chain, you know, the, 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 the the person who everybody else is now quoting, that person still has this posture that they have a moleskin in hand, and they're they're asked they're just walking around like what what question can I ask to get better? You know how can I improve today? There's somebody in front of me, regardless of whether it's the intern or some other speaker or a journalist or somebody on my team that I can learn from. So that. That's one that always comes up for me is in terms of who's most impactful over the years is just because of that posture of curiosity. Mm, good. Yes. I absolutely love that interview with Tim Ferriss. I think I've listened to it three times that may have taken six hours of my life. Uh, that is well invested. <laughs> right. Uh, incredible, yeah. incredible interview. Uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning, Brad? Well, I, to, you know, I think the the idea that I, I'm going to be able to impact somebody today whether it's close to me or even far, far away from me, you know, that that's this ongoing drive and, and I would say motivation. Um, also the, I mean, the premise that, that I'm part of the kingdom of God and that part of my assignment for, you know, however many years I have on this, in, in this suit and being here on earth is that I can actually change the course of the kingdom of God for people, like for, for individuals. And man, when I think of the, that assignment and then how I get to play a part of that, that's, that, that motivates me. I mean, it, it's, th there's a true sense of, I want to be um, in the business of being a kingdom investment banker. Like that, that feels like the, 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 you know, the role I get to play and that's, creating opportunities. It's creating connections. It's, it's navigating friendships. It's, it's, uh, you know, trying to be, trying to be an example of what leadership looks like, looks like, but also then walking into the public square or in places that I don't really have any business going and figuring out how can I, how can I make a difference here? How can I walk in and be the fragrance of Christ in such a way that people are now curious, they're interested, they, they look at me and go, man, you're different. Like, tell me more about what it is that makes you tick. And I learned a lot of that from Alan, from John Maxwell. You know, the few years I got to work for John, like John's an evangelist at his core. Um, but he's now sort of been able to impact millions of leaders. And nowadays he, you know, he gets to sit or stand or speak in front of all kinds of audiences, but he still has this evangelism mindset, which is, I don't care if you're the CEO of or the I don't I don't care if you're president of a country, or CEO of a Fortune 50 organization. Um, there's still something for you that will connect the dots of why you're here, and yes. I always want to have that premise of whoever I'm in front of, or talking with, or working with, or trying to influence that you know they're 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 on a spiritual journey, and I get to be a small part of that in maybe hopefully a big way, but at some point I want to. I want to be able to sort of change the course of their direction of their life and push them towards Jesus. Awesome. Thanks for that, Brad. And 
Yeah, who would have thought John Maxwell, small town Wesleyan pastor, would be impacting people all over the globe? I was down in the Dominican, and um, Juan Maxwell was coming to town. You know, just an <laughs> unbelievable global impact um, that that he has had. Incredible. That's cool that you got to spend time learning learning from him. Maybe our favorite question on the podcast has become um, just this this really practical question. We want to ask every guest. How do you stay healthy? It can be a habit, an idea, something that you just regularly do. We know, we know that you don't get and stay healthy on accident. So, Brad, how do you stay healthy? Well, I went from 250 pounds, and not that pounds is the only measuring stick of health, but I went from 250 pounds in 2014 to now about 180. Wow, so, congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. And it's five years now and I'm, it's a lifestyle change. So the big thing for me was, was, uh, was take in, uh, less than you actually put out, meaning calorie wise, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta burn more than you're, than you're consuming. But it really started to be built around the the habit of running. And the great thing about running is first of all, it's, you can do it anywhere. So if you travel a lot, which I do, then, you know, take the tennis shoes and basically you're set. You can run in any environment. It's actually a, an amazing way to see different cities. And, you know, that if you want to see a great city, just put on the tennis shoes and start running. So I'm now, uh, I wouldn't say I'm addicted to running, but I definitely, it is some, it's the big rock that has to be put in first in the day. And I, I try to run every day. I try to run, you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 miles a week. And that's not just because I'm trying to do a marathon. It's actually just the lifestyle. And it allows me to pray. It allows me to listen to podcasts. It allows me to make phone calls, you know, that, but that's a lifestyle shift for me. Even trying to, if I'm doing a phone call, I'm, I usually get out and walk. So find those, find those uh, little windows of time. Cause everybody says, well, Brad, how do I have time to do that? I mean, well, you just have to be intentional about it. You have you have to change the routine in order to get the results you're looking for. And so that's my that's my shortcut. And it is it's uh, it's worked for me, and I love it. I'm you know I'm I'm definitely not the I'm definitely not the runner though. Like I I run to I run to live. I don't live to run. If that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, but it, it it has been a massive shift that has allowed me to build health as one of the big habits. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I'm sure your energy levels are up, and it sounds like you love what you're doing, relearning life a little bit there. Brad, where can we find you online? Well, I'm not a great follow on social media, so I'm just putting that out there as a as a truth reality, which is I don't post a lot anymore, but um, I'm 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 all the places you would expect. Um, I have a website, bradlominick.com, but I don't post much anymore. I don't blog a lot. I just blog a young influencers list every month, which people might actually like to look at because it's this ongoing monthly discipline for me to try to find the young up and comers that nobody knows about. Um, so social media wise, I'm first and last name at all the social media outlets. But again, people look at the Instagram and they're like, come on, man, like you haven't posted, you posted like three times in the last year. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm on there. I'm just not speaking a whole lot or posting, but I am watching. You're too busy running. That's right. Yeah. You're just running too much. You you can't post and run, I guess, at the same time. So, well, Brad, thanks. Thanks for everything you do. The conversations that you curate, the connections um, that you convene. Uh, just keep up the good work. Really appreciate what you do for leaders. And I look forward to maybe grabbing a cup of coffee next time you're out here in Colorado. We have to, man. We got to like get some coffee at Loyal. Um, we need to, you know, we need to do the Colorado thing, which snow skiing is my love language. So come on, we're, we're saying this in front of lots of people that we need to go snow skiing together. How about that? All right. Sounds good. We'll convene out on the slopes. Let's do it. There we go. Thanks, Alan. such a good episode with Brad. He and I are cut from similar cloths. So I just love his talk about connecting people, about kind of kingdom matchmaking and getting in the way so that we can see God multiply collective genius. 
through different people, through introductions, convening people. So I just love this conversation with Brad, a great thinker and always finding trends and also to see just the impact of Catalyst over the years on so many young leaders has been incredible to watch. As always, we want to leave you with a few questions so that you can take this stuff to ridiculously practical places in your life to take your next right step. And I think there's some really good takeaways from this. The first one is about the comparison trap. Number one, in which area do you feel most stuck in the comparison trap? In which area do you feel most stuck in the comparison trap? And what are you going to do about it? Maybe you need to unfollow somebody on social media. Maybe you need to just take time away. Maybe you need to have a conversation that you've been needing to have with somebody for a long time. And secondly, are you isolated right now? If you're honest with yourself, are you isolated right now? And if so, how do you re-engage? What is your plan to re-engage with other leaders? Guys, we can't live out our calling alone. We have to be in community with other people. And especially as leaders, it can be easy for us to isolate, to pretend that nobody else is in our corner, nobody else cares. And that's just not true. If you're feeling isolated right now, reach back out to somebody, grab that cup of coffee, jump back into that group, have vulnerable conversations again. We care about leaders living out their calling and we can't do that alone. We have to stay connected to other people. We hope that this podcast is encouraging to you and is one more space where you can say, people get me. I am not alone. And leaders, we are in your corner, not just when we coach, not just when we're here on the podcast, but when we think about you guys, when our team prays for you guys, keep doing what you're doing. The stories are incredible of you taking your next right step. So thanks for tracking along with another episode of the podcast. And as always, we have an episode dropping every Thursday. We hope to bring you life and vitality and encouragement. And of course, ridiculously practical steps to live a life of health and impact. We focus so long.